Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. What's up on a Friday? You guys must be feeling pretty good about yourselves, except for, you know, the resident Southern Mist fans that listen to this. Anyway, the uh, the rest of you uh, should be feeling pretty good about yourselves after uh, a couple of wins last night. Ole Miss and Mississippi State both entered the weekend with a lot on the line, and uh, a couple of wins followed those important Friday night games. Of course, Southern Miss not playing at all. They tried to get uh, some kind of weekend matchup and uh, just weren't successful. So they're off this week getting ready for the CUSA tournament. But good stuff last night for Ole Miss and for Mississippi State. Getting wins, ever important wins when you consider what was on the line uh, this weekend. And uh, a little bit of breathing room now. And and we'll talk about all that coming up right here on Mike in the Morning. I'm Michael Borky. Hopefully my internet is better. Sorry I missed, missed it with you yesterday. I just could not keep a stable connection here uh, with this uh, the software that I use so it's a you know it's just a streaming software and it tells me if like the internet connection's bad I'll get a little notification I mean sometimes you guys will see me get grainy I actually can tell not through the picture so I don't see the picture you do but it gives me like a little icon yesterday that icon was at its lowest level and would not go away I couldn't get a connection to establish to even start this so um Sorry about that. I uh, I missed it yesterday, and uh, hopefully this works again. They are installing C Spire Fiber in my neighborhood, and while C Spire sponsors the radio show that I'm on, they don't they don't pay me for Twitter mentions or or stuff like this. They don't pay me for that. It's just the truth. The second it becomes available in my home, I'm switching to it, and I cannot wait. So. I won't have to deal with what I'm dealing with right now anymore. I will have reliable, functional internet here soon. Uh, they're they're digging holes in everybody's yard in the neighborhood right now, which I appreciate what they're doing, and I'm sure they're going to replace it. But right now, like if I came home from work, for example, and I saw a backhoe just digging a huge hole in my yard without anybody telling me about it, <laughs> I don't know if I'd like that very much, but... Uh, no, they do a good job, and, and once they're gone, you don't even know that they were there. But anyway, that is coming eventually, and I will uh, I will be done with this crappy internet that I'm dealing with right now. So uh, glad to be with you guys. We're going to talk some baseball. Also, a little bit of PGA Championship. And then uh, I've got NBA playoff picks. Now that the bracket is basically set, we've got one more playing game tonight, but it's not going to make a difference for my pick. So we'll get to all of that right here. First, real quick, I do want to remind you that this is on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search my name right there and hit that subscribe button on YouTube. This uh, is live on YouTube every day. Also, some stuff down the road is coming on that channel. It won't just uh, be live stream. It'll be more than that. But for now, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, the podcast. This gets uploaded in podcast form. Mike in the morning, Michael Borky, wherever you get your podcasts. 
subscribe, leave a rating and a review. And of course, I'm on all the social channels and uh, follow me there. JP says hockey, man. Yeah. I'm going to watch more hockey over the weekend. Full transparency, I didn't watch any last night, which I feel bad about because I saw the picture of the pedal. What was it? The New York the New York game, Islanders and Penguins, right? Where they had the the back view of the penalty boxes, and there was like 11 total guys <laughs> in the two boxes. So I feel bad uh, that I didn't watch that because I have no idea how that happened. Uh, but uh, I'll watch more hockey this weekend and, and talk about it more uh, come Sunday and Monday. But uh, for now, I'm talking about baseball. and e- Well, I don't want to say easy night because the games weren't exactly blowouts or anything like that, but comfortable night for Ole Miss and for Mississippi State. Uh, because there's so much on the line going into this series, right? For I mean, we talked about it this week on the radio, and, and I talked about it on here some as well. Uh, Mississippi State. I think, needed to win two to preserve their spot as a national seed. You look at both projections, at least the ones that um, I think are most reliable, D1 and Baseball America, uh, they both had Mississippi State right on that fringe. The eight seed losing a series this weekend in Tuscaloosa would have possibly, likely even bumped them out of being a national seed. So they needed two this weekend. On the Ole Miss side of things, uh, they were a host entering the weekend. I think that all they really needed to do was get one to be a host. Now, if they get one more, I think it's an outright lock. Like It's just over. It's a lock. But right now, even at 17 wins, if they lose the next two, the metrics will all be there. The win numbers will all be there. The The record against top 25 RPI, top 50, everything will be there and that of a regional host. So getting these wins last night were huge for both Mississippi State and Ole Miss in their quest to remain a national seed and also remain a regional host. I'll start with Mississippi State-Alabama. 4-2 uh, to was the final score. Uh, Mississippi State was down late. It was just one nothing, but they were down late, and they did uh, what Mississippi State tends to do last weekend notwithstanding. And they... Uh, they they closed the game late by igniting their offense with just a few outs left. I mean, that's just kind of what they do. But the biggest story to me is Christian McLeod. Um, if you listen to this every day, you know I think Mississippi State's Achilles heel is the way they play defense. In fact, they're pretty pathetic at it. They are an awful defensive team. But also, they haven't lately gotten good starts. Uh, at least not great starts. Not national championship winning make a run to Omaha starts on the mound. Haven't really gotten that lately. And, and in part, they haven't really stretched their pitchers. It feels like Chris Lamonis has made a concerted effort to not have his starters go deep into ballgames. I mean, they are, they're getting pulled and have been getting pulled when it seems like they've got a lot of gas left in the tank, and in part because you can make those decisions – when you have a bullpen that's as good as the one that Mississippi State has. It's very easy to make the call of, okay, I'm going to pull this guy at at 82 pitches because the guys that are coming out of the pen are likely going to be fine. And it's worked most of the year. But uh, I think that's by design. And I expect you to see Lamona stretch some of these guys a little bit more than they have this season moving forward. And you saw that a little bit last night. So McLeod was very good. Uh, he also threw 96 pitches in the game, according to the box score. Uh, the, the television broadcast and 
the box scores have different pitch counts. Same thing happened with Nikhazy last night. I don't know who's counting pitches. It's got to be two separate people because they they say different things. But either way, you you know, you get him through seven. uh, He throws 96 pitches, just gives up a couple of runs and seven complete, only five hits in the game, uh, struck out 10. That was the kind of thing Mississippi State needed going into postseason play. They needed to know, to me, that one, you could get a quality start from McLeod. I mean, he's given you quality starts before, but you guys get my point. Starting pitching for Mississippi State is talented, but they haven't shown it as much as I think they're capable of lately. You got that last night, really solid start, and then he got stretched deep into the ballgame a little bit. And I think that kind of confirms what most everybody thought, that they were really preserving arms, and now that we're approaching postseason play, going to stretch these guys a little bit, and McLeod delivered last night. So that was really important for Mississippi State for a bunch of reasons. One, the offense didn't come alive until the seventh inning. So McLeod only giving up the one run until the seventh inning was very important for Mississippi State because they got off to a slow start offensively. Very important because they need to this weekend if they want to maintain their status as a national seed. And then also looking ahead to postseason play, having McLeod being able to eat innings, seven innings in a game, get to 100 pitches and over 100 pitches because they haven't really asked him to do that this year, showing that he can do that uh, is an important thing. Is a really important thing for Mississippi State because um, it hasn't been an issue, but it's been kind of something that people haven't talked about a whole terribly lot. Uh, what was I about to say? A whole terribly lot? People haven't talked a whole lot about uh, starting pitching woes at Mississippi State because it's kind of nitpicking. But when you're talking about winning a regional, winning a super regional, they need a little bit more from their starters. And uh, McLeod absolutely delivered last night. So Mississippi State gets uh, one. Now all they have to do is split these next two, and they are solid as a national seed. They still could be one, depending on what else happens uh, around the country, I suppose. Uh, but they needed two this weekend to solidify their status as a national seed. And they got the important one last night. Feels like they shook off whatever the hell happened last weekend. Played a pretty solid game last night. Um, You know, no errors on the box score. I was going to say they sound like they played a clean game, but when I'm watching two games at once, it's hard to to keep up with both. Uh, So I didn't know if I missed one. So no errors in the box score last night. Played relatively clean. Got a good start from McLeod. Jumped on Alabama in the seventh. Check, 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 check. All good for uh, for Mississippi State last night. And a very important Game 1 win. Also, a very important Game 1 win belongs to Ole Miss over Georgia. 2 to nothing was the final. Ole Miss struggled offensively, uh, especially in the middle to the back of their lineup. So we're talking from Dunhurst all the way down to Kale Baker. One hit. One hit in uh, in that group. And that's uh, that's six through nine. One hit. And uh, it was Tim Elko who laced a single after getting the start yesterday. Um, which is just so hard to fathom, right? I mean, the guy's got a torn ACL. <laughs> and um, after, uh, after he hit that ball, the announcers, who were good, by the way, shout out to Georgia, they... Um, these are hometown announcing crews. They are very likely 
all of them are affiliated with the school that they are calling games for. Like the Georgia guys, I don't know who they are. I promise you they're Georgia guys. Same thing with every stadium in the SEC. I mean, I'm back. Are, are we back? <laughs> There's nine of you still watching this? <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, let me try this again. I'm going to the re-retweet these. Um, if I can. I don't know if I can. I, I, I don't know how to uh, to reset this. But some of you guys are still here. Okay, so I, I see myself. Why won't it let me uh, reshare this? Why won't it let me reshare this? Yeah, so I, I, we had a power surge. I don't know. I mean, th- this is not this is not a good day. <laughs> we are we are off. I mean, yesterday I had internet issues, and now it's showing me that the my connection is crap. So that's fun. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. So I hope this is working. I, okay. There's a couple comments there. You say, there it is. Welcome back. Okay. I guess you guys can see me now. Um, I, I, I think I see myself. I think we're okay. We, we good. All right. That was nuts. Just a, a random Power surge. What a uh... Zach, I'm with you. I he Zach says I watch about five hours of Twitch streams a day. You get used to things that just randomly going wrong. Yeah, man. Um, by the way, I watch Twitch as well. There's uh there's your fun fact of the day. I'll uh I'll watch Twitch. Have it on in the background. Like today, I'll have the PGA Championship on, but I'll I'll have Twitch streams on the in the background while I'm working all the time. Um, but if you're in the, on the podcast, listening to this, I had a power surge. And, uh, so I don't exactly remember where or what I was talking about. Um, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself or, or it's a complete like change of direction. I don't know what happened. So power went out. The stream stayed live though, which I think is actually pretty awesome. I, all I had to do was refresh the page and it brought me right back here. So that's good to know. But I think I was talking specifically about uh, Ole Miss uh, winning last night. The offense stunk uh, for most of the night, if we're being honest, aside from T.J. McCants and Kevin Graham and then Elko. I mean, being in the starting lineup on a torn ACL uh, is pretty special. I remember where I was. uh, The Georgia announcers, they actually did a really good job. Um, And Zach says he also really enjoyed who was calling the state Alabama game. It was Eli Gold, right? Um, That iconic voice, the uh, the voice of Alabama football anyway. Um, Yeah, I thought the guys from Georgia, so you mostly have hometown announcers, and they generally know more about their team than the other, and um, some of them anyway are are guys that are kind of just doing it for fun that aren't professionals. I think we're pretty lucky around here. with who we have doing the plus games that uh, they're they're really really good at it um not always the case but i thought the guys at georgia last night were really good were really good 
um, they really were well-researched and stuff like that. But anyway, those guys uh, were, were joking when Elko ran at first. They were like, God, I was kind of cringing because I, I was hoping that knee could hold up. I didn't know he could run bases, but apparently he can. And what an interesting call. I think the, the more I think about it, the more I think this is kind of where – uh, they're at because they did pinch run for Elko last night. So I think that's still the plan. If he gets on base, they are likely going to pinch run for him. At least that's the way it seems. But, and it played out perfectly last night, which is why it makes sense. If Tim Elko gets on base and you're going to pinch run for him, why not start him and give yourself a greater chance of having multiple at-bats with your best hitter, even on a torn ACL? Because clearly he can still hit on it. I mean, he's got a home run. He had one in College Station. He smoked that ball last night uh, in the gap, but it wasn't really in the gap. It was just in between. It was in left center, and maybe a faster guy can try to maybe see if they can get to, but either way, smoked that ball last night. He can still very much hit. I think what they decided was you have a higher probability of having multiple at-bats for Elko if you just start him. You know, if he laces a single in the first inning and you've got a pinch run for him, okay. But wouldn't you rather give him multiple chances? It worked out perfectly last night. He struck out in his first two at-bats, but guess what? He got to keep swinging, and it ended up working out. He had a single and got on base, so he had a hit last night. Doing that makes more sense in hindsight now. Uh, as opposed to waiting for the seventh or eighth inning and, and pinch hitting for him, giving him really one chance uh, at getting a hit. I think last night's strategy worked better than um, what they've been doing with him before. It makes a lot of sense. And so uh, that's the most likely um, reason why. Uh, that, that's the one that makes the most sense to me anyway. Uh, and it worked out. But really, the story is Doug Nikhazy and then getting that ever-important 17th SEC win. Doug Nikhazy, at this point, I don't know what else can be said about him. Early on in the game, he kind of ran his pitch count up a little bit. Then he settled in, what, struck out 13, um, throws two different breaking pitches for strikes at any point in the count. Uh, Command got really good later on in the game for sure. but just another night of doing what he does. I mean, that, that's what he does. Um, it, the stuff isn't overpowering, but it, it's just so sharp, and, and he locates so well, and, and he's such a competitor. I mean, that that's just Doug Nikhazy. And uh, Ole Miss needed one win this weekend, and they got it because of this guy. They can beat anybody in the country with him on the mound. There's no doubt about it. And so they get that uh, important 17th win. I think they are going to be hosting a regional regardless of what happens tonight or tomorrow. Um, Win one of these next two and you're an absolute lock. You're just an absolute lock. But I think 17 will get them there regardless of the result tonight or tomorrow. They did stretch Nikhazy a little bit. That's uh, one thing that I am wondering about is last night he threw 115 pitches according to the box score. Um. I wonder if because he's thrown he's gone deep into games and deep into pitch counts the last few weeks. I wonder if they are considering giving him the week off in Hoover. Or if they do pitch him in Hoover, keeping him on a really strict pitch count. 
you know, like 65 pitches or something like that. Because especially if they win one of these next two, I know my colleague Richard Cross hates this line of thinking. It's almost like blasphemy to him. But if Ole Miss wins one of these next two, there's nothing to gain in Hoover. In my opinion, there's nothing to gain in Hoover if they win one of these next two games. They're not winning the SEC championship. They don't pitch it well enough for that. I would not use Doug Nikhazy in any sort of extensive fashion in Hoover because you're already hosting a regional. If you have to throw him, keep him on a pitch count. My strategy, and some people don't like this, would be to try to win, but not at the expense of the following weekend. So that might be something they're considering. He went 115 again last night. Um, I would think about not throwing him in Hoover. Or again, if you do at a pitch count. JP says there's uh, an SDC title to play for. There is. I mean, I, I just, I don't value that in the same way I do a regional championship. Or a regional championship. Winning your regional. Winning your regional is far, far, far more important than an SEC tournament championship. And... I am not going to throw Nikhazy on short rest, especially for the sake of winning the SEC title when you need him to win you a game when it really matters the following weekend. I don't think this team's got enough pitching to win an SEC title anyway. I'm sure maybe they could, but I don't value it at all. I mean, what good was Ole Miss winning the SEC a couple years ago? What, What did that do, you know? I mean, there's a trophy in a case somewhere, but it doesn't elevate you at all. It's fun to win. It's great. Yeah, you get to dogpile and stuff. It doesn't elevate you at all, and the weekend following is far more important. So because you stretched him 115 again last night, I wouldn't throw him again until the weekend and then keep him on a pitch count. That's just me. He's your best pitcher. He's your only reliable starter I'm not wasting him in Hoover, and I know that's blasphemy, but I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it at all. But really important wins. Good for Ole Miss, good for Mississippi State, getting the weekend started right. And, um, of course, we'll keep an eye on that moving forward. JPS, so you're advocating to and through get ready for regionals? Not necessarily like trying to lose the way South Carolina did the years they won the national championship. I'm not saying you go there with the intention of losing. I'm saying you don't stretch Doug Nikhazy and Taylor Broadway next week. I'm saying on Tuesday, maybe you throw Josh Mallets instead of Nikhazy on short rest. That That's all. You try to win, but you don't try to win at the expense of the following weekend. Like I wouldn't throw, you know, a center fielder, the the backup center fielder, whoever that may be, trying to lose. No, but I don't stretch anybody. I, I don't bring somebody out on short rest. That's just me. The PGA championships going on right now. Um, Corey Connors had a two-stroke lead 
going into today, and he was in early tea time, and before 9 o'clock this morning, he was tied for eighth. (laughs) He went bogey, birdie, I think I'll pull up his score, actually, so I get this right. Oh, my gosh, he hasn't parred yet. He, he has gone so far today. Bogey, birdie, bogey, 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 birdie. Yeah, sleeping on that league or lead wasn't very good for him, as it turns out. Uh, Zach is asking if Ole Miss could get that four spot in Hoover. Uh, they could, but it's a long shot. Um, they need to sweep Georgia. They need Florida to lose the series. They need Mississippi State, I think, to lose the next two. Uh, so it's a long shot. I, it, I wouldn't count on it anyway. That's um, wouldn't count on it. But I don't know how much or how interested you guys are in the PGA Championship. I mean, how how much do you care uh, about this? I like the schedule shuffling. The PGA being last always felt so unimportant, you know, because you already got the most iconic ones out of the way. The Masters was obviously over. The Open Championship, the U.S. Open, were done. And those are those are more important than the PGA. But it being sandwiched in between them now instead of last, I think, has elevated some interest in the event, on top of it being a great facility. If you haven't watched it yet, ESPN yesterday did a phenomenal job of showing the setting that Kiowa Island is. It's an incredible course and just a beautiful area as well. Island feels like you're kind of by yourself on it. Um, you'll see houses like way off in the distance, maybe. But every shot, it's mostly just marshland, golf course, ocean, and that's really it. The only structure you see is uh, the stands or the clubhouse. So it kind of feels like you're in this untouched, uh, you know, low country marshland. Area. It's, it's just stunning, and ESPN is doing a really good job of showing it. And what's crazy about this is, so the course goes along the ocean. It basically does a loop, but it's all along the ocean. Uh, about half the holes are facing one direction. About about half the holes are facing the other. And the wind is blowing basically along the beach. And it's going to come the complete opposite direction this weekend, but still along the beach. So half the holes are facing a pretty gnarly wind this week. I mean, Wind always blows off the Atlantic Ocean. It's not like the Gulf where you get, uh, you know, there's no tide and you you put your chair down and the wind blows a little bit, but it's it's very, very relaxed. On the Atlantic coast, the tides are pretty extreme. Wind blows harder uh, off the Atlantic Ocean, in my observation, compared to to the Gulf. Uh, So the wind's always kind of like that anyway. But the scoring difference between the holes against the wind versus the holes with the wind. It's like you're playing two different golf courses, how helpful and harmful that wind is. Uh, But the scene's incredible. It's just aesthetically so pleasing. And you get that interesting storyline with the direction the wind's blowing and how certain holes play because of the wind. And then you literally go the opposite direction for the other half of the course. It's pretty awesome. Uh, it's it's a great scene. The course looks like it's in great shape. The scoring, uh, guys aren't really going low, but the course is fair. So if you're playing well, there's some scoring out there. I enjoyed it yesterday. I, I can't wait for the weekend, honestly. And I don't know if I've ever said that about a PGA championship before. 
I don't think I've ever been excited about a PGA championship until this one, in part because it's a place I'm familiar with. I've never played it myself, but I've been to the island. Um, but I think the sandwiching it in between the Masters and the U.S. Open and the Open has helped generate more interest in this than it would in the past. Uh, so I think they made the right call there, and it's a great venue. Uh, check it out. JP says he's going to watch uh, Saturday and Sunday. Zach says, I can bar- barely tell you what a birdie even means. <laughs> uh, but he's here for whatever the topics are. I appreciate that, man. I really do. Um, this this power surge has really kind of ruined what I wanted to do today, sadly. Um, I am uh, kind of pressed for time. i got to get going. But I will give you my NBA picks. Um, I do find it funny, by the way. That So we talked a little bit about it on the radio show yesterday and really didn't get a whole lot of, oh, nobody cares, those Marxists or whatever. Um, really only one that I can remember, which uh, was refreshing. But uh, there is one particular um, website owner and radio host that said um, he, like most everybody, doesn't care about the NBA, yet he spent a lot of time talking about Russell Westbrook this morning. It's almost as if Twitter isn't anyway. Um, my picks. All right. Uh, I think Utah is going to beat whoever wins tonight. I think it's going to be Golden State, but it doesn't matter. Either one, um, Utah is going to beat them five games, maybe. Utah in five. I'll go Dallas in seven. Denver in seven. Suns in seven. I think the the Western Conference is going to give you a ton of quality basketball. I like the Suns over the Lakers in part because that's a that's a a heart pick instead of a head pick. Um, but I do think Phoenix is a more complete basketball team right now than the Lakers. LeBron is great. Anthony Davis is great. Um, the supporting cast not so much. I think Phoenix is deeper uh, and more capable. And Chris Paul deserves a championship, man. Uh, He's like Dan Marino and is one of the most underrated players to ever play the game. And um, and I don't like the Lakers for a lot of reasons. Um, so, yeah, Utah in five, Dallas in seven, Denver in seven. I, I could probably see six as well. Phoenix in seven, Philly in five. Oh, Here's an upset pick for you. Hawks in seven, Milwaukee in five, Brooklyn in five. So there you go. And then I'll do the next round after the first round so I don't feel entirely stupid. I do think that there are a lot of people counting out Milwaukee, and I wouldn't do that. I would not do that. Um, Milwaukee will bring a level of physicality that I think that Brooklyn might – look, I mean, Brooklyn's got the best – collection of offensive talent in the league don't get me wrong but people are just kind of sending them to the finals I don't think it's going to go down like that I really don't Giannis Drew Holiday Middleton I think Milwaukee's got a chance actually and they're kind of underrated if you can believe it going into these playoffs but um, those are my picks and I'm sticking to them you say that uh, y'all were LeBron bashing, of course. Yeah, that uh, that resonates with our audience a little bit more than just straight up talking about the games. But I, I think he's the perfect villain for these playoffs. I think I talked about this yesterday. I didn't talk yesterday. I was going to talk about this yesterday. 
Um, I think LeBron is the perfect villain for these particular playoffs. For all of these, I think it's perfect because he's still a good player. He can still play at a high level despite his age. He is very easy to hate for some people, myself included. The super team stuff, all the the weird things on Instagram, the flopping around and carrying on. Not a big fan of his. Has nothing to do with politics. I've told you guys a thousand times before. I'll tell you a thousand times again. I could not care less about somebody's politics. I don't care. They don't bother me. They don't make me happy. They do nothing for me. I don't care. Nobody thinks completely like I do, my own wife included. I, I, I am not going to only support people or like people because they think the same way I do. I think that's crazy. Um, so it has nothing to do with politics. Could not care less. Um, same thing with mu- music, movies, actors. Doesn't matter if they are in the entertainment business or if they're a doctor or a lawyer, I could not care less about where they fall politically. Do they do a good job? If they do a good job, then I'm interested. I will let you perform surgery on me. I will watch you play basketball. But you're right. The villain since the decision, uh, it's the, the, the decision, the super team stuff, the getting running coaches off, just forcing trades, shipping players off, all that stuff. The one-year contract thing in, in Cleveland – um, I understand why he did it, but it's impossible to build a winner around somebody when you don't know if they're going to be there after that season. Um, all that stuff, the flopping. So he, he's easy to hate. He's a hell of a player still. He plays for an organization that's easy to hate in the Lakers. I mean, they've won forever. And there, there's this exceptionalism with Lakers fans and the coverage of the team that is just insufferable sometimes my gosh ESPN acts like the Lakers are the only freaking basketball team in the country it's pathetic the way they cover the league now so plays at a high level easy to hate his team is easy to hate and I think most importantly they're vulnerable so I tuned in the other night to watch them lose and they almost did but they didn't This Phoenix series is going to be compelling because the Lakers can lose. I mean, they're not going to just run through Phoenix. There's absolutely no shot. They're not going to run through them. They can lose. I think it's perfect because you're going to have close games, crazy finishes, a lot of hate watching from me. (laughs) And uh, I think it's perfect. And uh, the ratings for the play-in games have been pretty freaking awesome, if we're being honest. Um Five and a half million average for the Lakers Warriors. Uh, I mean, the Grizzly Spurs game did really well uh, last night. Um, Indiana and Washington drew a really good number. I, I mean, it's it's doing well. It's doing really well, um, and it's here to stay. I'm sad my team's not in it though. It's a shame. So sorry that my power went out, guys. I, I was. I was worried that I didn't pay my bill or something that uh, um, that something went wrong there and that I was going to have to have a weekend, a hot weekend too, without any power. But no, it, it came right back. So um, JP says, one question about LeBron. You got to send it quick, man, because I got to go. Okay, so he won the title last season. 
Okay, starting this season, back up with a ton of time for recovery. Don't think the playing game is a little BS for every team that played the longest last season. Um, I hear I, I hear that. I think the playing game is more valuable from a drama perspective. So don't think the playing game is a little BS for the team that played the longest last season and had to get back at it before physically 100%. Um, I can, I can certainly see where his complaint was coming from. Like I, I get it for sure. Um, I don't think the playing game was necessary from a deciding who makes the playoffs and who doesn't. I think it was necessary for drama creating. Uh, is that BS or not? No, I mean, it's a unique year. Uh, they're not going to go as deep into a season as they did um, after the bubble going into this year. I mean, that that break is not going to happen like that again. Uh, there will be more time moving forward in between. But um, they've played a lot of basketball lately with very little break. So I, I can I can see why people think it is. I don't agree. Your professionals at the end of the day play. If you need to take a night off, take a night off. Um, but I only think the play-in is valuable because of the drama, not necessarily because uh, it actually helped with anything basketball-related. So, All right, guys, I got to go. I hate it. I, I was planning on spending a lot more time uh, actually talking with you this morning, but having to reset my internet after the power went out. Throw a wrench into this morning's stream. So thank you guys for tuning in. I'll uh, see you on Sunday, hopefully. And if not, right back here on uh, Monday morning. Y'all have a good one. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.